Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, folks, to another edition of the Wolverine.com live podcast with Doug Skeen. This is our TV version. We apologize for that in advance. You get to see us, have to mm, see us. So, ugly. Uh, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> so they don't call them big uglies for nothing. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Doug Skeen, five-time All-Big Ten, uh, five-time Big Ten champion, all Big Ten offensive lineman Skeen uh, waited his turn, became one of the one of the better linemen Michigan's ever had. And uh, I'll say this, Skeen, uh, your offensive lines, uh, and I and I've said this many times about the nineteen early nineteen nineties lines, some of the best lines overall, but some of the best run blocking lines for sure. Mm-hmm. I put this line up with that one, uh, even though they've got had several different combinations. Uh, they had there were some chinks in the armor though on Saturday, weren't there against Illinois? A nineteen seventeen Michigan win that was tougher than expected and for a couple of reasons. Number one, Illinois came in prepared. Brett Bielma had his team prepared. We'll talk about his crying about the officiating here in a minute. But number two, Michigan had several starters out. And once again, including your left guard, uh, Trevor Keegan, Giovanni Elhadi went in there. It was a bitter day, brother. But uh, those guys, there were uh, some chinks in the armor, like I said, weren't there? It it was a, little, it was a bit clunky at times there, Ballas. And, and absolutely watching watching the offensive line perform uh, against a pretty doggone good defensive front and specifically defensive line. Illinois had some dudes up in there that were some big dudes that could move really well. and But their defensive scheme really, I think, took advantage of Michigan's counter offense. If you go back and watch it, at the first sign of a pulling lineman, man, Illinois was filling gaps and filling mm-hmm. them hard, which causes problems and it requires a higher level of discipline and performance out of your offensive line and tight ends to make the absolute perfect gap step blocks and and getting uh, getting some push in that down lineman guy but they were crashing the edges it's the same it's just sort of the recipe for defeating michigan's run base run offense is to crash the edges uh get guys up in some gaps get some shoulders michigan shoulders turned to the sideline get some leakers in the backfield so that wet times was absolutely a problem and when that happens then you got to go to the air and get, get get some people to back off and that was a struggle at times as well. So credit to Illinois. I thought they had a good game plan. 
uh-huh. their players, their players are ready to go. And uh, that didn't surprise me at all. What did surprise me was Michigan's lack, lack of execution offensively to be able to score more points. Yeah. The first drive though, they marched down the field again. I think that is what nine times in 10 starts for JJ McCarthy that they went down and scored. And John Borton, who is obviously one of our editors in the senior editors at the Wolverine.com. We heard the box and we were about halfway through this game. And he said, you know, they script that first series. Maybe they should script the first 50 plays <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then they'll get the offense going because it struggled after that. What did they do well on the first game? Boy, there's Brad Forney with a $50 question. Bring it here in one second. Good Lord, Brad. That's outstanding. <laughs> but, um, in fact, let's do it now. For God's sakes, Brad, no questions. Just want to say thank you for doing these chats on Sundays. These have been an absolute blast. Have a great Thanksgiving, a wonderful holiday season. Let's kick the crap out of Ohio State. I could not agree more. Brad Forney is uh, one of the preferred customers at the Fort. The Warrior.com, his brother, uh, was injured in combat, and uh, we have had several discussions about him. Thank him for his service. But, Brad, thank you for being a loyal subscriber. Thank you, Brad. Happy, yeah. happy yeah. Thanksgiving to you and your family, too. No doubt. I'm going to buy Skeena Fresco with that money. So, um, but uh, what what went right on that first drive? I guess it, it looked like, uh, and I think that what Prelima said that their guys were maybe over pursuing or they were, were getting a little bit out of position. They were a little bit too aggressive early, and it really kind of played right into Blake Corum's hands with some of the cutbacks. And stuff. Yeah, there was there was a couple of plays. If you go back, Illinois had guys in our backfield, and Corum made a nice cut, got to the second level, and that one big run, and and then off he went. And so that just a few times that happened and then Illinois calmed down and didn't get so deep into the backfield. A lot of times defensive linemen are taught, you never want to be more than two yards deep past the line of scrimmage. And at times they're blitzing linebackers and defensive linemen were three or four yards deep. Well, you're, you're in no man's land back there at that point, unless you have the ball carrier in your hands. So a little over pursued, a little, little, little too much aggressiveness out of there, but they did a nice job of adjusting. So the first, the first series, yeah, went really well. Um, Michigan was on their blocks, Illinois, maybe not in the right position. And all of a sudden we go down the field and score and it looks like, Hey, this might be an easy day. Hmm. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. No, it certainly wasn't. And let's talk about the, the one run. How did Michigan counter, I guess, the aggressiveness? Because there was a run where Corum bounces to the outside. He's following a tight end. And it looked like a little bit of misdirection where, okay, we're going to use their aggressiveness against them. Were there a couple different things that you saw, or was this just a, well, something that you do to counter when they're, when they're being that so aggressive. When you, yeah. When you, one of the things, if you've got defensive linemen and linebackers jumping gaps, specifically defensive linemen, guys jumping and hard and hard slants and, and whatnot, you, you like to boot, you know, that counter action where you're pulling and you're kicking guys out that takes, that takes the steam right out of it. You do that a couple of times. You can burn people on that. Think of the old trap play, right? And there's inside trap. You can trap a three technique. You can trap anybody on the defensive line. But what I mean by trap is, Again, you block down somebody, somebody basically goes unblocked in the, in, in the defense, and then you've got a pulling lineman coming across to knock them out. The ball carrier goes right off the inside butt cheeks of that pulling lineman, and Michigan's made a living off of that part of that fundamental all year long where you see a lot of guys pulling, and they'll kick a defensive lineman toward the sideline, and someone else bends up in the front side hole to get the front side linebacker. And yesterday, the problem was is that bending up, that linebacker wasn't waiting. That linebacker was either coming on a run blitz and there was no time to get the proper angle on him. He was already home before you needed to be there. So Illinois was very aggressive against the run and that caused problems for what we like to do. But again, that's a, it's a risky defense if you're a defensive coordinator, because you can get, you can give up some big ones if you're that aggressive and you get, you get your kick block, you get that trap block. 
on time and the things timed up well. And it, it could be a guard. It could with Michigan it could be the guard center, often poles. Uh, those guys, you know, and the guard and tackle, but the tight ends are often crossing formations, trying to get to an inside number, kicking a guy out to the sideline to, to allow the inside seam. So it only takes a couple of those. And we saw a couple of those early. Quorum had a couple of nice runs, but then Illinois wasn't getting so deep. They were, they were, they were shallowing out their angles and being more pointed toward the attack of where that ball carrier was. And again, I thought it was well executed on Illinois' part. And when that thing starts to happen and they're playing such heavy run, that's when you go, okay, we're going to play action you and we're going to throw the ball over your head. But then you had missed throws, you had drops, and it wasn't an efficient passing offense. And now you got problems. You do. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but we're going to get to Shane Johnson's question here for 99. Shane, thanks again, man. Uh, CB, what's the secret injuries to Scooney and Edwards? Scooney's a shoulder. I don't think that's really a big secret. Edwards is an upper body injury that I think he will play through. Uh, we'll see how limited he is because when you have those, I mean, you're talking about ball security and stuff like that, right? It, there's a pain threshold, right, Skeen? That, hey, if you can't, if you can't injure it, especially this time of year, but if you can't injure it more than you play through it, especially in a game like this. But when you're talking about ball security and stuff like that, then it becomes a problem. So Shul- um, yeah. Sh- yeah. shoulders, shoulders, elbows, wrists, you name it. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether you're a tight end like Schoonmaker and, and you can't get the shoulders up and you get, you know, working the arms and trying to block people. That's a problem. I don't know what his range of motion is. I have no idea. Um but if you know, of course, if you're a ball carrier, the same thing. The ball security requires that shoulder to be tight. You're pulling your arm against your body and everything else. So yeah, yeah it, p- playing through pain is certainly something that all those guys are doing right now. But if the pain uh, is is uh, it's not a pain thing. If it's just an ability thing. If you have mm-hmm. a, a problem with a muscle or soft tissue that you can't secure or you can't block, you can't get your arm where it needs to go. Then you can't play. Yeah, we're confident that Edwards will dress this coming week. So, um, and I will say this, um, it's, there's nobody this time of year, as Skeen always says, right, that is 100%, okay? But when you look at the guys that was were missing in the Illinois game, you had A.J. Henning who was out. Ronnie Bell did a great job returning punts. Uh, you had two offensive linemen that are out, and as you said, when we were talking off the air, Carson Barnhart is essentially a starter at right tackle. Um uh, and then I'm going to go back real quick, if you don't mind, Hutch, to, to finish his question first, though, when he's talking about Blake Corm. Any regrets about running Blake Corm into the ground the last few weeks? None. And when I asked Blake Corm specifically, I said, you know what? A lot of people are asking, are you getting too many carries? He said, man, let's play another one. You know, and he said, I can go all day. The one thing that I would notice uh, or say about him was he seemed to be avoiding contact a little bit more on Saturday. There was a play on the screen pass where he ran out of bounds. I'm thinking he's going to yeah. stiff arm this jump. And he's going to go, right? Yep, Not chump, because that, that's a good defensive team. I didn't mean it disrespectfully. but And there were times that he ran out of bounds where he would normally put his shoulder down. Two things, it was so bitter cold that day that hitting that ground was probably hitting, like hitting cement. But number two, it's almost, and I'm not, there's no blame here or anything like that, but it's almost when you're trying to avoid injury skiing, you know, that, that you're playing to avoid it, that, that these things happen. So, that But I don't have happen. any, yeah, I don't have any regrets about them running as, as much as they did. Yeah, the only the only thing that was visible is that I do think Corum was avoiding some contact, mm-hmm. right? And and you know, again, you see that in professional athletes all the time, where you see a, a ball carrier, like a quarterback, will do that oftentimes. You're down the sideline, you know, okay, if I stay in bounds and I take this big shot, I might get an extra yard or two and I might get hurt, or I can just step out of bounds, go back to the huddle and do it all over again. 
Yeah. Uh, sometimes those coaches are are actively telling guys, hey, don't be a hero here. We need you on the field. We need you healthy. I have no idea what Coach Hart is telling Corum and the rest of those running backs in that room in that situation. Well, there was just a couple snaps out there, but uh, the cold weather ballast, I don't think that had anything to do with it. You're out there playing in it. You're falling mm-hmm. down. You're just, you know, you're down in it, and it's just the, the way it is. Yeah, um, well, it was bitter, I got to tell it, you. Yeah, I, I remember that Illinois game reminded me a little bit of my last game in Michigan Stadium, which was a lot of it was a snowy, cold day. We uh, we fumbled the ball. We put the ball on the ground nine times that day. I remember. I, mean, I think we lost. We lost four or five of them. We ended up tying the game, um, and there were uh, gosh, it was. I think we rushed. We still rushed for over 400 yards, but but gave away the ball four or five times. And, uh, you know, we got out of there with an ugly tie. Um, it's like, you know, it, it, I was thinking back to that. I'm thinking, you know, here we are again, the week before Illinois. the Illinois game, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Oh, ho-hum, it's Illinois. And this is what college-age guys do, as I've said many times before on these broadcasts. And, and it looked like Michigan maybe had a little bit of part of that. But uh, when it came time to start making plays, they weren't there. All right? Right. Michigan struggled in some – in some. Now, of course, they made plays late to go win the football game. That was important. Um, but a lot of clunkiness uh, execution-wise for that Michigan offense that absolutely has to be, get cleaned up. And means absolutely nothing going into next week. And we'll talk about that in a second. As for Junior Colson, Shane, I don't know, but I can tell you that the vast majority of guys that were banged up or, or sat this week out uh, will play next week. As Jim Harbaugh said, if you're capable, you do play in this game. If you're nicked up, as long as you're not going to get banged up, they're going to be some big ones, though, that they're probably going to have to play without. So it's going to be tough. There's no question about it. Let's get to the 1999 question here. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much, man. 1999, Jim's mantra has always been to do what works till they stop it. Many thought they should have been working on what needs to be improved passing game. So if they can stop the run, you have an alternative. What say you? And I think part of that is fair, uh, but I think, Jeremy, Jeremy, at times this year, they tried to do that. They've gone, they went like in certain drives where, uh, and they're, they're working at it all the time in practice. Don't get me wrong. And, and if we had a nickel for every time Jim Harbaugh said, you know, this is hitting in practice. Uh, it's not the same as doing it in a game, but uh, there was, there were a couple drives the week before where they said, screw it. We're going to go back and pass on every down in this drive. And they just weren't connecting guys weren't getting open guys weren't catching the ball. So um, the first goal is to win the football game first and foremost. So, and you're 11 and 0, right? So it is really hard to argue that, Hey, they're doing something wrong. Now, if next week they go into next week and they get blown out by Ohio state and you can send then that's certainly a valid argument. My point that to your point to say, Hey, they should have been doing more in the passing game. But at some point it's about personnel too. Guys have got to make plays. JJ McCarthy had his worst game. Granted the wind was uh, howling. It was terrible out there, but Tommy DeVito was making plays into that wind and guys were catching the ball and Andrell Anthony was not neither JJ McCarthy wasn't making throws. He had a couple times to his tight end scheme that were wide mm-hmm. open that he's got to make those plays against Ohio state. So Jeremy, let's talk about this again next week, but I think it's fair. Uh, and I think it's also fair to question scheme and, Okay, what are we doing here? Do we need to bring in another passing game coordinator to figure some things out? We're going to talk about the pick play here in a second scheme <laughs> that actually won him the game. But to me, uh, Jeremy, when you're 11 and 0, it's hard to question and say, "Hey, you're doing this wrong." Well, I, I there's no question about that. I mean, I think going into the game, it was like just get the W, just mm-hmm. get the W, and, and Michigan did that. 
and no one's going to remember this going into Saturday's game at Ohio State. Uh, it doesn't matter at this point. So Michigan's right where you want to be. They found a way to win, a way to win in a clunky, ugly performing game. And that's all that matters. As far as uh, do what works until they stop it, uh, I think that's absolutely been Jim's mantra all year long. And, and But Illinois stopped it. And then mm-hmm. just like you said, Ballas, the, the, the sky balls, the missed, the missed open receivers, Andrell Anthony on the play where they thought the defender was offside. So you throw it, you throw it deep, you know, you, you know, the snap where Olu snapped it quick yes. and, he, and he pointed right over at him uh, expecting the flag where should have been a flag in, in the replay. It was awfully close on the television copy replay there. And so, so, so they throw the thing deep and, um, and lo and behold, it goes right through uh, Anthony's hands. Very, very catchable ball. So, you know, and the other drops earlier, and of course there was a big catch late in the game for the first down. But uh, you know, the other the other stuff. You know, hey, listen, here's a here's a shocker, Ballas. It's going to be cold in, in late November. You're going to have to catch right. the ball in the cold, cold air. Um, I'm assuming Michigan's practicing outside to, to because that's where you're going to play in it. I yeah. would hope they're practicing outside. So it's just part of the deal in the Big Ten. And yeah. so it's going to be cold and it's going to be windy, and you still have to execute. But this passing game has been, you know, something we've been talking about now for the last month. Where's the stars in this passing game other than our tight end and crossing routes? Who's the guy that connect, can connect on their long route? J.J.'s been overthrowing. In this game, he didn't th- overthrow. It hit the guy in the hands, and he just dropped it. So the performance level of all the participants in the passing game need to get better. And I would say the, that offensive line as well, as I was watching the game, I think I counted three hits on the quarterback in the first quarter after he delivered the ball out of his hand, the ball leaves his hand and boom, he's yep. getting hit by somebody. I'm just telling you that that takes a quarterback off his game for the rest of the day. You can't allow it in, but it yep. happened on Saturday. So and these things did. all combined. And it did take him out of his game. He did not look that comfortable. And Derek, we're going to get to you in a second, man. Uh, but Jeremy, I wanted to say one more thing to Jeremy. This season kind of reminds me of 2006 when they ran Mike Hart just constantly into the ground. Boom, 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 boom. Then you get down to Columbus and that first drive, they open it up and bam, they caught them off guard. Uh, Mario Manningham, wide open, boom, big play, big play right down the field. That passing game, they scored 39 points, still lost because the defensive game plan stunk, frankly, and they just got beat 42 to 39. But reminds me of that season where, okay, you're going to hold some things back. The problem being, Jeremy, uh, is that they don't have a Mario Manningham on this team. They don't have those receivers and Adrian Arrington, guys like that, that can beat you that way. So, they're going to have to scheme things up, but the confidence level that I have in Jim Harbaugh to do that, we saw it in nineteen or in 2016, uh, frankly, 2017, they had an outstanding game plan with John O'Corner quarterback. They just didn't have somebody to execute it, and they missed some some throws. And even in 2006, the one play that stands out is Chad Henney overthrowing Mario Manningham alone would have put him up by 14 points early. So, you know what, as Bo Schembechler used to say, when you pass, you know, Three things can happen. Two of them are bad. So, um, Derek, man, thank you so much. Yost Ghost, I had a beer with you, uh, and uh, what an unbelievable guy. Um, You have confidence heading into Columbus. You know what? If this team was healthy, Derek, I would agree with you 100%. If they were 100% where we knew that all their star players were really, really good to go, I'd be right up there and I'd say, hey, especially looking at Ohio State, kind of a paper tiger, if you look at their – numbers in that first half scheme they can't run they couldn't run the ball on maryland and they've had some issues with that but 
their third string running back. It always seems to be the case, man. This is where where it hits you. Depth is a big deal between the the haves and the have-nots. Michigan's third string running back, C.J. Stokes, will be good in time. Ohio State's third string running back is a guy out there looking better than the, the two guys in front of them. So also you you skiing just showing your age. You were one of Derek's dad's favorites. At least he didn't say grandpa. <laughs> That's cool. Well, Derek, tell your dad. <laughs> is that your is that your dad? <laughs> Derek, tell you tell your dad I said go blue. And yes. uh, thank you for that. That's cool. Um you know, uh uh the thing that is the most concerning. First of all, Ohio State struggles with Maryland. Michigan struggles with Illinois. I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter, right? I think that the effort and the execution that you saw out of both of these teams yesterday will not be the same exactly. uh, come Saturday. But the biggest concern is what you just said, Ballas, is that uh, the injuries are racking up and they're, they're going to be a problem at some point here. Um, you and I were texting during the game and, and – throughout the, the afternoon. And um, I like El Hadi at left guard. Uh, he's a good young lineman, certainly tries his butt off, but there's a drop-off there right now just from a just from an experience and execution in the little things. And what I mean by that is the angles, the way he keeps a square, El Hadi, like a lot of young linemen can get turned sideways. It, it, just think about this. When you're gap blocking someone, if you're like, yeah, extreme gap blocking. Yeah. Explain so, it, yeah. so if it, it, let's say, you know, I got two fists here. Um, imagine the, the front of my fists are shoulders, right? So if I'm the uncovered guy over here and I'm going to come down and gap block, I have to keep my shoulders somewhat square. I can turn them a little bit. And there was a couple plays where Al Hadi comes down and he's turned sideways like this. And that allows a leaker to go in between the two. So perfect execution and gap blocking, that front side down blocking is. Hips and shoulders together, down lineman, and then whichever which way that defensive lineman wants to go, the uncovered guy is going to work up to the second-level linebacker. If he comes underneath, the guy on the right takes him. If he goes over the top, the guy on the left takes him. Well, if your shoulders are turned to the sideline, you've immediately eliminated yourself from any contention of effectively blocking that second-level guy and probably mm -hmm. the first-level guy. And that's some of the stuff that El Hadi's going to have to clean up, and he will clean up in time. Keegan's just better at that. Yep. And that's where the problems come in. And so uh, the little things like that were hurting us against this Illinois team that was jumping gaps. And so, you, yep. like I said earlier, you've got to be clean. you got to be disciplined. Your footwork has to be damn near perfect to do that against teams that are going to challenge and, and run block your gaps. Which and brings so, us to Derek. Do you think our offensive line dominates again like they did last year? Uh, and I will say this, if Keegan's out there and you've got your interior line intact, I, I, Keegan, I think Keegan will go Derek. I really do. Um, I think it's an ankle. We saw him limping up the tunnel, but you tape it up right. And you play in a game like this. And if that's the case, two things on this for Derek's question scheme. Number one, what are the chances that Ohio state comes out with that scheme that Illinois did? Because that's the best defense that Michigan played this year. Number two, is it that easy for the defense to do that? Uh, if you're not that at this point of the year, can you teach it in a week? Well, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that you have to teach anything in a right. week, your ballast. I don't think mm -hmm. so. And and to answer the question, can our offensive line dominate again? I've watched a lot of the, that Michigan, I'm sorry, the Ohio State-Maryland game. And I've seen Ohio State play, play throughout the year. And I've got some friends that are close Ohio State fans and watch them very closely. And they're not over the, overly enthralled with their defensive line. I didn't see any studs in that defensive line. This is going to cause us problems. But the scheme probably can if we allow it to. 
I think you're going to see elements of what Illinois do do us absolutely. When motion goes away, that corner is going to come off that backside. He's going to fly like Illinois was taking advantage of, and he's going to be in our backfield untouched. That's a problem. Uh, in other cases, like going back to the Nebraska game, we weren't effectively getting to the backside linebacker because of what was going on front side. Um, I think if if Ohio State sits back and just tries tries to play more of a vanilla defense. Um, and we have our starters ready to go. I think we have a real good chance of rushing the football effectively, assuming Quorum is really, really healthy and, and maybe Edwards can get in there. So I like our chances of running that football, but it's going to require better execution of the little things that I talked about with shoulders and hips and feet and keeping an eye on things as the play develops. If it's a little clunky and out of sorts and we're out of we're in bad body position, then Ohio State won't have to do the crazy stuff uh, by changing their fundamental defense. It'll just be a problem. And I'll say it's a big assumption too, Derek, that that all these guys are going to be healthy. And it takes a great running back too. It takes years sometimes, as we saw with Hassan Haskins, for guys to get comfortable behind a line, to know what to do, what your linemen are going to do. So, for example, if it's C.J. Stokes, even if it's Donovan Edwards back there who's getting better and better, we're seeing kind of the progress, the progression that we saw with Blake Corum behind the line out of Donovan Edwards. But you know what? If you're down to your third string guy or something like that, then you know what? It gets dicey. So that's the big question is it's not just the line. It's about the backs. It's about the tight ends. Is Scooney going to be in there? Is he going to be hundred percent? Eric Hall's not in there again. Look at what they accomplished this year uh, and last week, even pulling out a win without what seven or eight starters and their two mm -hmm. linemen, your first two tight ends uh, go right down the list, you know, uh, two of your, your top two running backs. So that's six on offense right there. That uh, So that's, to me, the big question. But it starts with getting push up front, and then it starts with a game plan. They're going to have to score early uh, on that scripted drive or, you know what, in, in that first quarter to keep up with these guys because I think they're going to put some points on the board. So, Derek, thanks again, man. I owe you a couple more beers. You are appreciated. So um, let's talk about Ohio State week and what's different about this week's game. And I remember Bo Schembechler's last press conference like it was yesterday. It was 2006. I remember talking to you right after his death. We we were driving down to cover the game on a Friday night and we're listening to WJR. It was literally the whole day was there was just a pall over it. And I was calling people like you for our stories. Unfortunately, that's part of the job. You know, you're basically writing obituary stuff. And um, he said when asked, you know, do you prepare for Ohio State and practices, even when it's not Ohio State week, he said every day, every day. I'll never forget it. That was the, uh, you know, 10 feet away from the guy five days before he passed away. So how much of that was there? And then when you get to that week, does it just ramp up to the point that, hey, this just has a completely different feel to it? Well, it, sh it shouldn't be completely different and unfamiliar because, as Bo said, and many of the players that have ever gone through that program, um, coaches at Michigan and certainly at Ohio State, you talk about this year round. You talk about it often. You talk about it while you're in the building. You talk about it when you're watching film. You talk about it when you're watching the highlights at night with your buddies, you know, watching the, the, the day's highlights and, uh, the, the, you know, the, the messaging is throughout the building. There's, there's notes about beating Ohio state and you sort of have this conversation. And then when it's game week, it's finally, okay, now we can officially openly talk about it because it's here. It's now. And so the preparation started last winter. And just like it did for Ohio State. And that's why these two teams get on this collision course every year. And then who can execute and, and perform amongst all the emotions is the one that wins. And so it is different in a regard. But 
you know, it, you get all the emotions, you know, that first day of first day of Ohio state week, you get the game plan and you're, everybody's ramped up, ready to go. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of juice flowing around, but regardless of what emotions spike, you still have to go back to what you've been practicing all year. The left tackle has to put his first foot in the right spot on time and his eyeballs have to go. The reads have to be correct. The quarterback, the fundamentals don't change. They just have to be done better. And Bo used to say, and, and Coach Moeller and Coach Carr and all the great coaches used to say, for us to go win a game against Ohio State, our left guard needs to be better than their left guard. And our right tackle needs to be better than their right tackle. And our defensive safety needs to be better than their safety. And we can, if we can all be just a little bit better than their guy playing the same position, then we're going to win. We're going to be just fine. And that's the way we looked at it. So amongst all the hoopla and the intensity of that week, it was an intense focus on my own performance of what do I need to do to help this team get ready to go down there and win on Saturday. That's what it has to be. Because if you get involved in all the other stuff, you get distracted and you're not thinking about your feet. You're not thinking about your keys and where you need to have your eyeballs and all those other things. And then you got problems. Yeah. And if you've got guys banged up, then boy, it's, it's gotta be tough to really get some continuity in there too. Right. That week, if you're, you're practicing second team guys in there and guys are resting and, and you banged up, did you have a week where gosh, you guys were depleted going into that game? I mean, yeah, you guys, but, you but Dallas, and, and, and huh? so, you know, the way that with the practices run, and I'm assuming it's the same nowadays is football is football. You've got two offenses going, you got a first team huddle and a second team huddle and you can switch guys in there all the time. The play calls are the same. You're running, you're, you're practicing against the same scout team defense. You're looking at the same stuff. The preparation yep. is too deep everywhere. So, you know, as a guy who's maybe over on the second string gets pulled over to the first string, you know, think about a guy like El Hadi, you know, his, his, oh my God, I'm in the first team huddle that, that went mm -hmm. away weeks ago. This guy's right. got all kinds of time on the field. That's not a problem. Yep. Uh, you know, I think it would be a bigger deal. Let's say if, if Olu went down at center and you saw right. Crippen come in at center. Right. right. I, I don't know what the combination is. I think Zinter probably moves over there, but someone mm -hmm. new comes in the game that maybe hasn't been in there that maybe didn't get as many reps with the first team. There's a little bit of like, holy cow, here we go. Uh, you know, our last trip down to Columbus, uh, Elvis Gerbeck gets hurt in the first quarter. Todd yep. Collins comes in the game and yep. he had big old saucer eyes in that huddle. Right. And we're like, yep. hey, we got this. It's all yeah. good. You know, we're, here we go. And so the other 10 guys in that huddle will be just fine. We'll bring you along and let's just go have some fun and block people. That's, that's all you got to do. Yeah. And at that point you were thankful that you had a guy like Todd Collins and uh, he wasn't Elvis Gerback, but he did. Okay. Not great. But, and speaking of thankful skiing this holiday season, it's Thanksgiving week. I'm thankful for our friends at Manscaped. Uh, do I tell my extended family that I have the performance package 4.0 from the global leaders and below the waist grooming, not to mention includes their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to tame my bush and score brownie points with the in-laws. Although they won't be getting any peaks or anything. I can promise you that. So uh, not quite sure what I that means. Not. I'm not quite sure what that means. I'm just reading that part. So, uh, but gift your, yourself manscaped for the man in your life who needs it. Uh, join the 4 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with 20% off and free shipping with the code 20 go blue at manscaped.com. That's 20 go blue inside. You'll find their lawnmower for perennial trimmer, the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. Unfortunately, I have to use that each more, uh, but it's fantastic. Crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. Think of it as a cornucopia 
for your bowls this Thanksgiving. So, or Christmas, folks, uh, it's a great gift for your dads, your grandpas. Uh, I know Skeen's gotten a couple of those kits. Uh, they've got shampoos. They've got deodorants, uh, regular deodorants and stuff, too. They're fantastic. Lip uh, these balm, guys, too, Ballas. you got to throw one of those Lip the balm, car, too. Exactly. Car, you know, and you're going down and you got the chap lips this time of exactly. year. Exactly. Winter. Yeah. Yeah. Or when you run the golf course like skiing and you're pissed off because you, you know, you chunked one. So, uh, which doesn't happen very often with this guy, unfortunately. This guy's cool as a cucumber. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah, the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Again, 20 go blue at manscaped.com. Thanks, guys, for supporting all of our sponsors. These guys are fantastic. So, we're going to get back to Jeremy here um, and a 999 question. You guys are unbelievable with the uh, the cash today, guys. We appreciate it. Uh, Clayton Safey, uh, one of our staffers, stated that JJ has the highest quarterback rating and over 80% completion percentage in play action, but they do it with 50% of less of the time than with Cade last year. Is that holding it in or too many cooks in the kitchen? I think that's a great question. Two things that stand out to me about this, Jeremy. Number one, the play action doesn't work nearly as well as it should, given how much Michigan runs the football. And I'll go back again, and I don't care if everybody you know, says I'm talking about the 90s or whatever too much. Watching the 1990s teams do it, there was always somebody open because you had somebody running downhill or biting. I don't know if there are certain tells or something on this team scheme, but when they run that little play out to the right now, when, uh, and you know, it's not a waggle per se, but they're doing some play action and rolling JJ McCarthy outright. There are defenders around your deep receiver. A good portion of the time hasn't been on a couple of the first plays of the game, your middle receiver and your short receiver. And there are times that he doesn't have anywhere to go with the ball. So I don't know why play action hasn't worked better. Um, but number two, uh, are there too many cooks in the kitchen? I can't answer that question. I do know that Matt Weiss is essentially responsible for red zone. I think Sharon Moore has a heavy hand in what goes on between the twenties. And I think that Jim Harbaugh's fingerprints are all over this offense too, but I can't explain it. Can you, because to me, play action should be working better. Well, it absolutely should be considering the effectiveness, like you said, of the running game. And that's, that's perfectly normal for any team that runs the football like mm -hmm. the way Michigan has going back to our teams and all the ones in between. Um, the only thing I could say, Ballas, is that uh, whether you're play action or not, um, if you got a strong safety that's coming up and run support, your free safety is back there doing what he's got to do on your deep route. Maybe you've got somebody else playing man. But I think, again, um, when your receiving core is struggling to get space and get open, that allows a defense to just man you up. We're just going to play man, and I'm going to stick right in your back pocket. And time and time again, just like yesterday, the ball is coming. And there's no separation. You got a guy who's on top of your shoulder, and here comes the over the top. He slaps the ball down, and there's nowhere to go. Yeah. So, uh, you know, play action is nice because you can suck somebody up in theory to get somebody to, you know, pop something over somebody's head. Um, but we haven't had a whole lot of consistency connecting on those this year either. There were some holes Saturday, and there were some holes. Um, there were some. There were some holes. Uh, you know, throughout the course of the year, but. You know, it's it's not like it needed to be, I think, throughout the course of the season. And so um, but it's not going to change. You know, Michigan right. is who they are at this point. We're going to continue to play action people and hope that we can take advantage and just execute better. Just like yeah. a lineman's got to put his feet in the right place, a wide receiver or a slot or tight end. you got to run the best routes possible to lean on somebody and then break left 
lean on somebody right and break right or lean left and break right like they do all those little drills to get separation they just got to do a better job and getting off the line of scrimmage there are times they are not respecting their ability to get off the line i saw at the end of that illinois game those guys were right in their grills skiing yeah. and you've got to be able to get off the line of scrimmage that's something that's taught uh even ronnie bell you know there was a play that he had the late pass interference called the guy grabbed his arm so I thought it was a decent call. I didn't like the hold on, the holding call on center, by the way. We'll talk about that in a second. Oh, yeah, I didn't like that there. one either. Yeah. No. But you're still not getting that separation. And then when you do, and you're Roman Wilson, and you've got that ball, and it hits you in the hands, man, catch the ball. And or I Israel Anthony down there. You know, <clears throat> the wall comes through and goes right between his hands, hits him in mm. the helmet. Hey. That cannot happen. Can't if happen. you are talking about it, um, you know, not getting your opportunities, that's when you have to make the most of your opportunities. Go back to Derek's uh, previous uh, question or comment if there, if you don't mind, Hutch. He had mentioned that. Sorry about your, your dad. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know, uh, obviously. So now thanks for making me feel guilty. Now I owe you two dinners. <laughs> so so. When, well, Derek was a kid. That's what he saw. Well, he saw exactly. his life. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, ex- you feel old, Derek. Yeah, even older. Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, if it makes you feel better, I saw you play live when I was a kid. Um, yeah, and also Ballast, I think you owe me. Yes, I do. But I, I can't tell you the number, guys. I owe dinner, too. I, I owe, uh, yeah, there's one, uh, Scott in Grand Rapids. I owe Taco Boy. I can't wait to, to do that. And I, and I haven't forgotten. That was a Tiger Woods bet. I bet him that year that they would not, that he would not win another a tournament that year. And then he goes out and wins the Masters, I think it was. And uh, good on him. So that was, that was years ago, too. So that shows you how good I am. I'm following up on vets, Derek. You might be waiting a while. So, uh, and then no, go back one more time um, to uh, the other question from Derek, if you don't mind. There it is. What's your favorite Ohio State oh, memory? Yeah. Mine yeah. was being, and I was going to ask you this anyway, Skeen. We were in the middle of a pack of suck eyes, and it was glorious. That was a great memory. Of course, Chris Perry ran all over them. Um, yeah. There are a ton of them from this game. Um, yeah. And, uh, no, wait a minute. Let me get mine yeah. first, all right, big fella. Because you had five, five times you never lost a game against them. And so um, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, it's easy to say 1997. We're sitting at the top of the press box, the old press box. We got out of the asbestos, and I'm sitting up top with Doug Karsh, now the voice of Michigan football, who just called, and uh, Dennis Fithian, a good friend of ours. When Charles Woodson returned that punt for a touchdown, I have never heard it louder in there as he's running down the sidelines. Uh, that was unbelievable. Love that. And of course the, uh, you know, the Desmond Howard play that, you know, that was a blowout game, but that game at the end of Ohio state was as loud as I've ever heard it. And that was still grass at that time. So the smells on the field of grass guys, when you're in Columbus, I can't explain this to you when you, when you're down there and you, you played in it, but I don't think you played on grass at Michigan, but when at, you're down there and you at smell Michigan, it, I did at, yeah, Michigan, yeah. at Ohio state, it was that nasty right. turf. Yeah. Right. But it's the smell is, is unbelievable. That's what I remember. Your, what's your favorite memory and, and what's the best game you played in too. And down there, what was your best, where you played your best game? Oh, I, my last game, unfortunately mm-hmm. it was a tie, right? Uh, we, we tied Ohio state down there. My, my, um, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah thanks. Uh, played them five times, beat them four times. Uh, but I got to say, my my favorite memory down there, uh, Bows, remind me of the year, J.D. Carlson's kick um, when we beat Ohio State. So 1990, we're at Ohio State and uh, um, standing on the sideline in that day. And that, that's the loudest stadium I ever think I've ever been in was that day. And it comes down to the end and um, – and it's obvious we're going to have a chance to kick this thing. And, and uh, I remember my buddy, John Woodlock, 
uh, was watching the game on TV back at home. Um, and uh, uh, on TV, you see J.D. Carlson standing next to Billy Schaefer, who was undressed at that time. He's just one of the knuckleheads. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Undressed, like completely nude? <laughs> yeah, or... no, no, no. Un- not, in, not in uniform. Because <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. And Bill, Bill had his big, Bill. big, bushy, uh, like, bear coat thing on and was kind of talking Jeez. to J.D. But uh, I- I'll never forget the words that were spoken from the coaching staff to J.D. before he went out in that field to kick that play. It was... J.D., there is no one in the world I would rather have go out and kick this thing than you. Now, go win this football game. And Who said JD, that to him? I, I think it, if it was Lloyd, it was Moore, okay. it was all – everybody's huddled around, right? you got yeah. your special teams, and the head yeah. coach comes over, and uh, Coach Moe is – everybody's just giving him that confidence, and he went out there and just nailed it. But the, yeah. the, the, the favorite part, Ballas, and you and I have talked about this in these podcasts, was after that game – the walk back to your your locker room and seeing the Ohio State fans and the and of course you know again let, let me preface that though after that game it's such a hard fought game um, at that time it was respect we had just won a dogfight against an incredibly talented football team and the guys are meeting in midfield and saying good game the losers are upset the winners are happy but it was respectful. And then you go toward the locker room where there's a bunch of fans hanging around that locker room that haven't been so respectful toward Michigan people. And the looks on their faces was true joy. And then the looks on all the faces as you get on the bus with the police escort to leave Columbus and the dejected Buckeye fans, it's gratifying to go down there and win ballast. It's it's time that Michigan does this because it's been so long. I would say that that year that we went down there and JD kicked that field goal. And I, I don't think I played a down in that football game, but I was there. Uh, the emotions and watching that thing up close uh, certainly it was a, a learning lesson for me, but just being around it was really, really cool. Yeah, and I think it sent uh, Ohio State to the Liberty Bowl in Memphis for a game in like 42 degree weather. <laughs> and Michigan, of course, went where that year? Rose Bowl. Um, what else? Where else were we going, right? Yeah, I don't think it was. It was 1990, and it was that four way tie. So, was it? Was that the yeah. 1990? The, the sure well, the- well, I we went to the Alligator Bowl then. Yeah, the Gator Bowl. <laughs> so, yeah. and went we down there. Called the Alligator Bowl, right? Did you? Okay. Yeah. Jacksonville. Yep. Yeah. So, and speaking of big bushy bear coats, uh, don't forget about Manscaped. Uh, Twenty go blue at manscaped.com when you're talking about. Uh, yeah, there, there you have it. So, uh, even for mustaches, they got stuff for mustaches too. So, um, and then you know what? Uh, there are so many, right, of, of these Ohio State games. But last year, to me, I got to be honest, last year was up there with any of them. Literally one of the best days of my life, not just because of what happened there, but afterwards and who you spend it with and what you remember about it um was the the entire day was really uh with the snow i'll I'll remember walking out of the stadium guys i'm getting teary here and we stay late obviously as we're writing up in the press box and i'm walking out and then the snow really comes down and i'm walking to my car and you can't hear the traffic you can see the cars but because of the snow on the ground you can't hear them and you see the lights and you see the lights in the stadium as you're walking away and the snow's really coming down and you're thinking that just happened and now i get to go and spend it with people that you love and get to hang out and celebrate it after five, six hours of writing that goes down. That is, I think my 1969 for you old guys where it changed the rivalry and you hope that it changes, you know, the rivalry going forward again. That was our 1969 for a lot of us. It was fantastic and credit to those guys, including Cade McNamara for changing the culture, Hassan Haskins. Now it's time 
to get that monkey off your back down in Columbus. Just hope they're healthy enough to do it. So, um, Skeen, let's talk a couple more things. I wanted to first bring up, uh, you talked about, hey, you know, Lloyd Carr saying, J.D., there's nobody I'd rather have kicking this field goal than you. Jake Moody is legendary. Cash money, that guy. Unbelievable. Now, this guy is one of the most unassuming guys that we've ever spoken with. And he can't, he really can't understand why you want to talk to him. And I remember talking to him after we met his parents last year at Denny's beer barrel pub in uh, Penn state and just some of the nicest people ever. And I was like, Hey, I know you, I'm a friend of yours on Facebook or whatever. And you get to talk to the family and you get to know these people as, as human beings. Right. And telling them how, just what you think of their kid as a person, you know, and we're allowed to do that. Right. Because it's, there's a, there's some humanity here and a, and a personal level to it. And uh, they were so appreciative. And then to see their kids. So you root for these guys, Money yeah. Moody, to see these guys go out there and to see what he did. That is really one of the best performances. I don't give a crap if it's a kicker. As John Jansen says, he actually had to give him credit on inside Michigan football today. That guy is absolute money. And the 46 yarders, the one I asked him about in the post game scheme, when you're kicking into that wind and it was bitter and biting and 30 miles an hour. What an unbelievable performance. And to have the balls like Jim Harbaugh did to go and kick that 41 yarder when everybody's like, man, what are you doing? You need to go for it here. You know what? Trusted his defense and Jake Moody comes through. Well, Moody's been like that for two plus years now. The guy seems like he's been doing it forever, but time and time again, think of the Michigan state game, how important he was in that game when we were having trouble punching in, in the red zone down there. And certainly in this game here, I mean, that guy, when he comes on the field, you're just like, oh, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. That, could, that kick could have been from from 56. And it's like, yep. oh, I think he's going to make it. He just makes everything. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I tell you, as, as, a, as a guy blocking for kickers and, and, and quarterbacks, you talk about uh, Cade McNamara last year and last year's game. When you're in that huddle and you're on the sideline, you know you're about to go out on an incredibly important down, fourth down, third down, or a game-winning field goal try, and you look in the eyeballs of your teammate. The one thing you want to see is, cool, cat, I got this. I got your back. Let's go knock this thing out and get out of here. Yeah. And this this guy's got that expression on his face all the time. Yeah. He's never rattled. And that's part yeah. of being a great kicker. It's part of being a great quarterback or anywhere else on the field is having that calm look of, I got this. No problem. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. I never had that when I played. So, uh, and I don't have it on the golf course as you probably, well, I know you don't have it on the golf course. <laughs> so, unfortunately that was indicative of my, my entire playing career in any sport when the, when the game is on the line, but I will say this, Morton Anderson, who went to Michigan state was one of the best kickers in the NFL of all time. He said, why would I be nervous when I go out? If you prepare and you know how good you are, what do I have to be nervous about? I know I'm going to make it. Jake Moody went out there. He said in that post game press conference, I knew I was going to make it and he wasn't being there was no bragging about it. He just said I had it. And when I hit it, he said, I knew it was good. And then running into that locker room scheme. And I wish that I would have told Hutch here to pull it up. They've got video of him running in there and they're all chanting his name, Moody, Moody. (laughs) And it reminded me of that scene in Rudy at the end of Rudy, the great, movie about Notre Dame where they're chanting Rudy. So I'm sure that you were. No, it's not a great movie about Notre Dame, (laughs) Ballas. It's not. That's stupid movies. Like, oh, we're the first, you know, we're the first program to ever have a walk on. Oh, actually, you know, you're not, you know, Michigan, Michigan's been around playing football longer than you guys. So they make a movie about it. 
And then Joe Montana comes out and basically says half the movie was full of crap. It's a big made up Hollywood story. And, yeah. Uh, so why'd you got to bring that up? Why you got to piss me off bringing it up? Well, just because, just because it was sounded the same, Rudy, Rudy, you know. And you no, get, no, no, no. If you take it for what it is, if you take it for what it is, and it's fiction, pure fiction, you know, and forget that this guy is a is a shyster, you know, then uh, then it's pretty darn good. So that's just my opinion. Uh, not the opinion of everybody, the express opinion of everybody on this program. But uh, they were chanting his name, and hopefully Hutch can find it. Which I'm like, yeah, and they're, they're, you know, he's running into the locker room, and his his teammates are waiting for him, and they're chanting his name, and here it is right there. This is amazing. <laughs> there, that's them chanting Moody, Moody, and somebody had mentioned, man, we're gonna miss, we are gonna miss Moody, right there. This guy in the back, there he is, right there. Uh, Chris Jenkins coming in after him right here. Number 19, Tommy Doman is your guy, fellas. I actually asked Jake Moody about him. Um, he redshirted this year, uh, redshirted last year. He didn't, isn't playing this year and waited his turn. He said he had no problem waiting his turn and le- learning behind Jake Moody. Tommy Doman is going to be the guy that handles punts and kicks next year for this Michigan team. I think he's going to be a great one at it. Um, you know what? They, they there are guys. <laughs> Moody, I don't have any doubt there. There's no question about that, Frosty Swan. So Jake Moody's going to have a great career in the NFL too. And by the way, uh, to John Jansen and all these other guys who call him just a kicker. Well, first of all, Chris Stapleton, we know just a punter, especially when you have a mullet. But how about that hit that Moody laid on somebody? And he had another tackle, I think, in, in the last game too. So kickers, yes. Punters, no. Stapes, sorry. Um, and Rudy might have been offsides. That's great. Somebody had a shirt that said Rudy was offsides. So fantastic on that last play. So I still carry things like that, Ballas. That scene yeah. in that locker room is just uh, those yeah. moments that you remember forever. It's just uh, yeah. it's a, it's important. I love seeing that. I of those guys. Yeah. A lot of fun. Boy, I can't believe we're 48 minutes into this thing. How do, so how, so Ken, how do you repair for the noise and the environment? So um, I'm assuming they're going to get the old speakers out there and they're mm-hmm. going to create the, the noise in practice. The other thing you can do in practice is there's no audibles. There's no, there's no voice or anything. You, you call a play in the huddle and you go to the line and when the ball moves, you execute, you, you, yeah. you just don't say anything out there. Everything is but hand or a touch. And yep. so there's a couple different ways to do it. Um, I would guess that uh, at some point in the in the week this week that they'll go to the indoor building. Hopefully not too much because you got to play outside, so you got to practice out there. You turn that that uh, audio system up super loud so you can't hear. It's going to be extremely noisy in Columbus. Yeah, and uh, you hope for some snow flurries. It looks like there's a potential for rain and snow, low 40s. Uh, I couldn't care less, you know what, but it is amazing how many. Somebody one of the weather channels said when the 10-day forecast was within range, the hits and the spikes that they got from people in Ohio and Columbus was <laughs> unbelievable because they're terrified. Oh, my God, you know what, the snow flurries, you know. So they've gotten a little soft down there. I'm just saying, skiing, they're a little soft down there. So uh, I don't know. One of the, one, yes, one of the radio guys said they should play every game in a dome so we don't have to worry about the weather no that, that is soft is that's soft. freaking ridiculous yeah that's so, ridiculous. man up no, no. Uh, you, now, okay. no domes at ohio stadium no domes no. at michigan stadium come no. on let's go right we're gonna come and we're gonna take your soul as you said and then we're gonna take your hotel rooms in indianapolis <laughs> when you give them up after you booked them a year ago like we did last year <laughs> and we're gonna take over that town i can't wait so i don't know if they will just be I, i'll tell you this skiing if they had gone in there completely healthy i give michigan a great chance to win this football game i still think they can uh, i given the edge to ohio state here i think it'll be 
think the spread's seven. I think Ohio State's probably going to win by about 10 points. I think the revenge factor, you can say whatever you want. These guys have been pointing to this thing all year. And uh, to me, you know what? This is the the biggest game in Ryan Day's career. You can't lose two in a row to Michigan. No, it, well, absolutely not yeah. down there. They tar feather you and fire right. you and run you out of town uh, for that. But uh, I think the biggest factor, Ballas, is the health factor for yep. Michigan. And uh, J.J. McCarthy is going to be forced, I think, for, however they do it, whether whether Ohio State's defense does what Illinois did or a combination of other defenses throughout the year, in, in addition to what they do best, J.J. is going to have to play his absolute best game. His accuracy on the football, that offensive line is going to have him. He keep him clean early in the game, and the wide receivers had better play their best game. If the, if the passing offense does not perform in this game, um, it's going to be a tough one to win. Yeah, it is. So we'll see what happens. 50 minutes and 39 seconds, folks. I want to thank you for joining us again. We will do one more after the holiday. I do miss this game being before Thanksgiving, but uh, give us a like if you guys don't mind. We'd like to get to 500 likes. I don't know what we get, uh, you know, maybe an extra Manscaped uh, tool or something like that if we get to 500, but it is a big deal. So if you could like our podcast, that'd be great. I can buy skiing an extra Fresca or something like that. But uh, hey, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hutch gets a cake. Absolutely. A fruit cake probably but i want to say um thanks to everybody and we will we'll do one more show after uh this game it'll be on sunday sunday night you're gonna be around skiing yeah we'll do it probably about five pounds heavier after thanksgiving no i hope not good grief no. alice do you deep fry your turkey how do you how do you prepare your turkey no i this well the last few years we have not had turkey the last few years we've had brisket we've wow. done a brisket oh on, the, on the smoker i think that's amazing pretty awesome this year we're gonna do Families getting together. We're going to have uh, Thanksgiving, uh, traditional Thanksgiving meal on Wednesday, and then we're having prime rib on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, my God. Day. What's the matter? You guys, you're changing. Man, that's a standard right there. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. So I will be over Thursday night after I have my mom's great turkey. So, But I appreciate it. Tell, uh, tell the family I said happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to all you guys, and we yeah. will see you guys on Sunday night. Thanks again. Happy Thanksgiving. Go Blue. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.